I'm in my 40s. And I'm in my 50s. We're Ted and Catherine, and this is Parents After 40. I was a television executive producer for 20 years, and now I'm a public speaking and media coach. And I've worked in healthcare technology for about 20 years. I built my own company, and I wanted to build a family. But Ted had cancer, and we knew having a baby would be tough. But not this tough, my friend. Come along as we figure out how to be parents after 40. I promise that this will not be a depressing podcast. We had a really tough time getting and staying pregnant, but we did a ton of research, changed a lot of things, did not give up, got the right doctors, and learned a hell of a lot. Wouldn't you say, Ted? Absolutely. You know, um, thinking about getting pregnant, there's a lot to it that you really don't know about, and um, and it's much harder than, uh, at least for us, it was much harder than we thought. That's for sure. This is episode number one. I'm Catherine. I worked all over the country in TV news. I dated... I was engaged a few times. That's for another day. And when I was about 37, I realized that if I wanted to get married and have a husband, I should probably take it a little more seriously than I was. So I did what a lot of people do. I went online. And that's where we met. You know, I, was, uh, I was pro at online dating. Um, slayed <laughs> half of Chicago and, until I ran into uh, to Catherine. Um, we actually, we met on, what is it? Oh, OK Cupid, And um, we actually emailed, what is it? Like a year prior, we emailed a little bit. And then we did our own thing. And then we connected around Christmas time. A year later. 14, yeah. 15. Yeah. OK, so people don't know you. And you just said, like, you slayed half of Chicago. So please, like, just... He's a very good guy, and he's not a player. So he's he's a very dry sense of humor, and I for some reason I need to say that because I don't want people to think that he's some kind of player. You dated, but... What are you talking about? I slayed half Chicago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And no, I also... I'm actually joking. You know, online and I... dating is online dating. It's anxiety-ridden, and I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, me too. And then you messaged me again a year later, because this is what you told me. You messaged me a year later, and then I saw you, and I wrote you right back that time. And I kind of chalk it up as timing. It was really good timing. Like Maybe at that point, I was taking a little more seriously. I was trying to answer back people. I I wanted to go on good um, quality dates. And I have to say, like, you've been in healthcare technology sales for several years. You know, it was like a good salesperson. You did not give up. You followed up. You just did a simple follow-up. I liked what you had written and thought you were seemed like an interesting person. So why not? Why not? Yes. Um, and then what happened? Well, we had a call, and it was an awesome call. I was actually, I remember, we, I was in Florida. So uh, my mom was looking for a condo in Florida, uh, around Clearwater, my grandfather just died, and we really liked our time down there. And and so uh, so I think it was between it was between Christmas and New Year's we had a we had a discussion and, and, and a talk on the phone and and it was great. I mean, we talked about what like an hour and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, 
It was a great call. Yeah, it was good. You know, when you talk to someone, you're like, there's there's no weird stops and there's no weird, awkward, like discussions about things and no one was oversharing or it just it wasn't it was a nice it's a nice conversation it was it was good the awesome thing is you know and sometimes this happens you have a great call and then you end up with an awful first date which i think you know we could classify our first date as is terrible i was well it wasn't terrible but I, I was it was I did not have a good showing. I did not. And if anyone knows, like if you ever if you ever gone out and you've actually eaten dinner with a mute person <laughs> that uh, doesn't drink, doesn't eat, doesn't talk, you're like, wow, this is awesome. I, I made it very difficult for you. I I was definitely a mute and you were probably pretty confused because we had a great phone call and then I show up and I was just kind of I wasn't myself. I was definitely not myself that night. I was a mute. I wasn't eating anything. Um, I was, you know, I had like one drink and I was very picky. I was gluten-free and, and dairy-free and um, everything that fun they had. Free. At the, fun free. It was fun free. Everything they had that restaurant was like breaded and stuff. It was a nice bar. It was a nice restaurant in the West Loop of Chicago. I was a terrible, terrible date. But can I tell them why? Sure. And this is normal stuff. You know, I'm... I'm an alcoholic. I don't. I don't drink. I haven't drank for about 25 years. It, uh, you know, I break out in all sorts of bad things. So, um, so I wasn't drinking, and you know, we talked about it. Like, you were just weirded out a little bit about how that would work in your life, right? Right. It was weird to me. I closed off completely to you. I was thinking. I was in my head too much because it came up because you didn't order a drink, and I think you just came right out and said it. To your defense, there's a lot of people. That you know have some weird thoughts about drinking or not drinking, and a lot of some people are preachy, some people are um, just strange about it. And um, and I'm, you know, drinking was my issue and not yours, so you know I don't really care if people drink or not. So uh, so I think we got by. I think we got past that. But yeah, the first day was definitely uh, one to forget about. <laughs> but it turned out pretty awesome for me and you, and I'm very, very happy to be married to you. But that wasn't the only surprise, because another surprise came up. I'm full of initial surprises, um, but um, but I had cancer. I had, uh, in, what, 2009, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. Uh, they had to take my bladder out and give me a neobladder, which they made a bladder out of small intestine. And they needed to take my prostate out. And so when they do that... Um, your plumbing is not connected. So you are not, even though you're, you're produce sperm, you're not, it's not going anywhere. And so, uh, so you had to bank sperm. That's, that's a different podcast than today. But, um, so I'd bank sperm and, and it was fine. We, we didn't think it would be any big deal. And we thought, um, you know, a lot of people we see online have babies and all couples at some point start talking about whether or not, you know, do you want kids um, have you had children in your past? That's one of those things that you get out early, right? So we talked about it early. Conversation came up. We both had said that we had wanted children. It wasn't like something that we would not feel fulfilled if we didn't have them. It wasn't a deal breaker, but we would like to have kids. And um, when he said this, it really meant that 
you know, we couldn't just have sex and get pregnant. And like Ted said, I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, the news is full of celebrities doing IVF in their 40s and with a lot of success. And you don't hear about all the losses. You don't hear about the ones that don't get pregnant and all the money involved and the things that you need to do along with the IVF to make eggs or to get more eggs producing. I thought it was going to be very easy. Absolutely. You know, and ignorance is bliss, right? We're like, hey, you know what? You take some of the sperm, you you mix it with the egg, boom, you're pregnant. I just thought this was, I I wasn't like, wow, I hit the jackpot. This guy had cancer. We're going to have, you know, babies pretty easily with IVF or IUI. Absolutely. It it was just. holy water. Um, (laughs) It was. It was just like, okay, well, I if I if I turn into really loving this man, this was not going to be a big deal because I had thought from all the news and stuff that it was easy, that it was actually easier probably than trying naturally for months because I'd heard the opposite with people who just tried and they try and try and try. I thought we'd start with IUI, get the sperm defrosted, put it in me at the right time, and boom, we'd be pregnant. I figured the doctors had this down and I'd be in good hands and pregnant within months after we got married. Well, and you were. You know, we uh, we got married in May of 2016. Awesome wedding on the beach down in Fort Myers where your parents live and we were going to get right into it. We actually, um, if anyone out there has been to Costa Rica, we, I love Costa Rica. We were going to go there for our honeymoon, but that was during the big Zika scare. And so we had to cancel that and, and went to Arizona instead, which was awesome. But we came home and, and we thought Catherine was young enough and she didn't have any problems. Um, I didn't have any problems. The The sperm was fine and the count was good and the mobility was good. And so um, we did uh, we did our first IUI. Yeah, and then I was pregnant. I was pregnant, you know, you find out like 11 days later, it worked. And I was ecstatic and I was barely 40. I'd actually turned 40 a few weeks after we got married. So we did the IUI within two months afterwards. And by the way, I should explain what an IUI entails. You go to the hospital. Uh, well, first for us, you know, Ted, some people do an IUI with the man, you know, puts a sperm in a cup, et cetera. Well, Ted's sperm had been frozen for years. Ted was 40 when he froze his sperm. So I had, you know, good sperm. Like you said, the mobility was great. Um, You have to go to physically transport the sperm yourself to the fertility doctor. So we had a, that was quite an experience. We we went to the hospital where your sperm had been frozen for a couple of years. And you take this big, big steel container where your sperm is, at absolute zero. I don't yeah. know what it is. It's it's uh, it's frozen. It's not moving. And it's... you walk it to your car, and then we drove it to the fertility doctor, and then you yep. walk it into the hospital. Like, literally, you have to transport it, because they they just want to make sure there's no liability. Like, you physically know that yeah. this is your sperm. You, you sign it, it out. Put it in the car. Put the seatbelt on. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and Tell then... Tell it to uh, be quiet and... You get to the doctor. Yeah, and then I went in for blood work every few days, and they found the perfect timing when I was ovulating, and that's when they defrost the sperm. They do it in a spinner and all this fun stuff, and then they laid me down, and they put a catheter in me, and they put the sperm in me, and um, I laid there for an hour or so, went home, and was on bed rest for the rest of the day, and then you hope for the best, right? You you lay there, and you hope. Um, in For a 40-year-old, the chances of getting pregnant with IUI are about 10%. Some... Some articles on the web say as low as 2 to 5%. But bam, you got pregnant. I did. I beat the odds and I was feeling pretty awesome. You know, I was like, I am super fertile and I'm 40 
and I just felt 40 and fertile. I felt great. But um, more on that in our next episode, right? Yes. Yes. It's not, uh, there's more to this story than, uh, than just IUI, uh, unfortunately. And this podcast is really about that journey. The journey of getting pregnant over 40 and then being a parent over 40. And uh, I have to keep saying this in Ted's case, 50 over 50. This is not a podcast where we're going to necessarily give advice. We are not experts far from it. We've never been parents. We might bring experts on or not, but we're figuring this out as we give birth to this podcast and to our child just like lots of parents, but please stick with us along the journey and share this with a friend who you think might find us helpful or just a little entertaining. Follow us also on iTunes, Instagram, or Facebook.